whether you're driving or somewhere else this afternoon, nice to be with you. I'm Bruce Claggett in for Jazz. Oh, by the way, uh, lots of calls on the buzz line, but interested to hear as many voices as possible. 604-331-2899. To what? Well, reaction to B.C. Conservative MLA Bruce Banman and B.C. Conservative leader John Rostad attending an anti-Soji rally in Abbotsford. And then actually going on social media to talk about it in the case of Bruce Banman. You see, both want the sexual orientation and gender identity resource, as it is, to be removed from B.C. schools. What do you think about their stance? What do you think about both of them attending a rally in Abbotsford to support parents who are anti-Soji? Give me a call on the buzz line, 604-331-2899. Hope to play as many calls as possible later on this afternoon. Well, let's switch topics and talk about illicit drugs and pick up on this kind of bizarre story. Eleanor Sturkel. BC United MLA has posted over the past seven years, David Eby and the BC NDP have emboldened drug traffickers and normalized illicit drug use. I wonder what they, the premier and his ministers did with their gifts from Mr. Larson. She's talking about Dana Larson. And this goes back to an interesting, um, Christmas card that was delivered to many MLAs, including the Surrey South MLA, Eleanor Sturko. In the Christmas card, they received some illicit drugs, a nice Christmas card. And, um, you know, is it funny? I don't think so. Uh, Is there reason behind this? I don't know. But some of the comments and some of the reaction to this on social media is telling that it is a divisive issue. I want to bring in Eleanor Sturkel to talk more about this because she is not only the shadow minister for mental health, addiction, recovery and education, but somebody that has brought up this topic about illicit drugs and how we're handling them and what we're going to do with a drug crisis that's ongoing. And then to get this, I don't know. Eleanor, uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Bruce. Thanks for having me on the show. Indeed, indeed. Uh, you got this card. I guess you didn't laugh, did you? No, I didn't laugh. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned, comments on social media, and I think people are really confusing um, the idea that I'm upset with receiving illicit drugs and having someone traffic drugs and put me in possession of an illicit substance with a lack of knowledge or perhaps even being unsupportive of the idea that things like psilocybin can be used to treat illnesses, which is actually not the case. I, in fact, had meetings in 2023 with uh, researchers who are researching the use of psilocybin uh, for things like end-of-life care, for treating PTSD, for microdosing for people with severe depression, for all kinds of things. And these researchers have licenses and they're um, following the rules and regulations that apply to them in their research and coming up with some really interesting things. What I am against is individuals taking the law into their own hands for whatever their reason is um, and trafficking drugs. We have rules and regulations in place for the protection of the public. And yeah, it's infuriating to see the impunity with which Mr. Dana Larson is operating in our community. Dana Larson did this before, not with uh, mushrooms, but he did it with cannabis before cannabis was even legalized. Uh, At the time, 
one of the people receiving a Christmas card from him with some cannabis, uh, as I understand it, was Christy Clark. Um, I'm surprised that this is continuing, but I guess the message is that uh, we are basically having a wrong approach as politicians to, uh, to drugs altogether. What should that approach be? Where do you stand, just for clarification? Well, listen, like I said in, in my previous answer, I think there is a role for all types of pharmaceuticals, including um, plant-based pharmaceuticals like psilocybin when it comes to treating a variety of ailments. And the research, you know, is, is still coming in. And the, you know, studies that are being done are being done with ethics reviews, with licenses, and don't include just opening up randomly shops and doing whatever the heck you want to do. Um, we have rules and regulations in place. And I think one of the reasons why, you know, our government, or sorry, our opposition was supporting the government in the idea, especially during the Select Standing Committee on Health, of having um, a medically supervised, you know, prescribed, for example, pharmaceutical alternatives to illicit drugs or what the NDP like to call safe supply, because it's monitored by healthcare professionals. It's under the... Um, you know, direction and also under the supervision of people who are trained medically um, and pharmacologically to deal with uh, the risks involved in prescribing those medications. And that would include something like psilocybin. People, you know, we wouldn't allow someone just to make their own Tylenol and sell it in a store. So why would we allow someone to take what they're claiming is a pharmaceutical, a medication, and open up their own medicine store? It, It doesn't make any sense. The rules and regulations are in place for the protection of the public You know, this isn't about me getting ticked off because I'm against mushrooms and the science that is being, you know, developed about using them as a potential medicine. It's about an individual being so arrogant that they feel that it is their absolute right to break the law, put elected officials in possession of a controlled substance, break laws with regard to trafficking drugs, break laws with regard to mailing and trafficking drugs, and, you know, and acting like that they're, they're trying to somehow be a hero in this mix when, you know what, there's all kinds of researchers out there doing this work, but they're playing by the rules, Bruce. They're applying for Health Canada applications, they're doing scientific studies, and they're working within the rules. They exist to keep the public safe, and that's why it's important that we don't support uh, organizations that break the law, unlike what the NDP have done, you know, in supporting the Drug Users Liberation Front, who bought their drugs off of the dark web. And I don't know where Mr. Larson is getting his mushrooms and coca leaves from, maybe an illicit source. And so, again, could be a case of putting money into the hands of gang members, into cartels. It's time for us to expand that definition of harm reduction, not just to include people who use drugs, but to have a look at our overall communities and the harm that can be done to them by putting money in guns and, and all the things that go along with the illicit drug trade and empowering those people through, through you know, the government essentially emboldening them by making them partners. Well, there's another word that came up, and this one is one that really troubles me, and that is normalizing drugs. Because I think that with every one of these protest actions or steps, you're getting closer to it being kind of recognized as, yeah, we understand it, Eleanor Sturkel, what the law is, what the rules are, but come on, this is us just kind of doing this, and it's Vancouver, it's British Columbia, loosen up. Yeah, you know, uh, we've had many of these discussions, especially in the old Sturco household over the last couple of days. 
especially in light of the temporary injunction that was put on Bill 34 in terms of parks and playgrounds. And if you think back to the 90s, okay, I'm, I'm going to go on a little journey here about cigarettes. Um, and that's when the government said you must put um, packaging on cigarettes that warns you of the cancer risk. And they actually started putting the photos. Um, and then they came up with legislation that said you had to cover up the cigarette display so the kids wouldn't see it because we want to not normalize cigarette smoking for the next generation. We want to make it so that it is not normal behavior so that we can dissuade people from taking up that activity. There was actually a charter challenge to that. I think it was Section 7 of the Charter of Rights. The the tobacco companies argued that it was taking away from their freedom of expression. They weren't able to advertise. But actually covering up and, and, and protecting especially youth from the normalization of smoking reduced smoking rates until, again, we had another insidious thing happen, which was vaping, which was, one could argue, was actually directed and marketed towards children. So it's about not normalizing, not because we want to shame those who are potentially using drugs at this time or maybe have a use disorder, but to help protect the next generation coming from what could be a terrible fate if they get addicted to illicit drugs, in particular opioids, which are very challenging for people um, who have a use disorder of those. There is this kind of strange gray line between not wanting to stigmatize things and also normalizing it. And it's a difficult one, isn't it? Well, you know, we want to be balanced, of course. We want to make sure that people understand it's not a moral failure. You know, you are not a bad person. If you have an opioid use disorder, you actually have a, a medical problem, which is why it's important we treat it through the medical system and continue to go through a prescriber based model. But at the same time, one of the most important aspects of tackling the opioid crisis is has to be prevention and stopping the next generation, helping youth prevent youth from getting involved with drugs. And the more that we normalize the use, the recreational use of drugs, including marijuana, the more we normalize that behavior. And so, you know, you know, I don't want to be a Puritan. I'm not, you know, this isn't Nancy Reagan talking, you know, and just say no. Of course, there's, there's different things that are going to happen in different circumstances. But we have to make it a priority to ensure that the rules are followed. And that includes if there's going to be testing or, you know, the use of psilocybin, People need to do that following the rules that actually exist today. And currently, it's not approved for recreational use. It's not approved to be sold at a cafe. Coca is not approved to be sold. It is a controlled substance. And until those rules change or until it is approved for a medical use, there is no excuse for mailing 87 MLAs samples of your product. Eleanor Sturkel, I appreciate your clarity on this because quite often when you take a stance, not you per se, but any politician takes a stance, it gets muddied with a lot of reaction from different sides. I think uh, you provided some clarity on it, and I think it is a controversial issue, but one that has to be discussed. Thanks for spending time with us. Absolutely. Anytime, Bruce. Have a great day.